thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome back, Bobcat fans, and thanks for joining us. My name is Ryan Foley. Join with me is the co-host of this show, Ryan Thornburg. He has a beautiful beard. It's nice and coiffed. I like it, Ryan. Anyways, uh, we are part of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We're the Montana State affiliate of that Big Sky Podcast Network. If you want to catch any of them, check out the Twitter, Big Sky Podcast Network. You can catch other shows just like us for different teams in the Big Sky. Also, you want to shout out to our sponsor, Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewing. Brewing great beers in downtown Great Falls, Montana. They have a second tap room in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Man, I'm going to go back to Montana soon, Thorny. I'm going to probably have to stock up on a couple Jeremiah Johnsons when I'm over there. I'm looking forward to some Bobcat Pale Ale and their Citra IPA, for sure. I still have quite a doing? bit in my fridge, so I'm doing pretty good. And uh, nice job. That was like, what, take seven, I think? People people don't uh, <laughs> listen and don't know. Sometimes, sometimes. It takes Ryan a few few go-rounds to get the intro, but you did it. We'll call that good enough. Take seven. Let's roll. <laughs> yeah. I get the yips sometimes, and then I just start stuttering. So uh, Once it snowballs, is, it's it's just over. <laughs> yeah, then we start laughing, and <laughs> yeah, it just gets ugly after that. Okay, well, thanks for joining us on this episode. We just had our third non-conference game for Montana State Bobcats again. And final. Yeah, third non-conference and final non-conference game against San Diego, the Toreros. So we're going to recap that game today, and then we're going to preview our first Big Sky game against Portland State. We're heading over to Portland, going to play in Hillsboro, Oregon, <laughs> over there in that fun but uh, soul-sucking atmosphere. Anyways, we'll we'll talk about that too, but uh, that's kind of the gist of our show. Uh, pretty pretty uh, steady show for us. We all will talk about the news and some injuries and all that stuff. And on the back half of the show, of course, we're going to talk about our Golden Coolie questions, which our, our fans have submitted some. We will be giving away more Golden Coolies. Man, I, I've been just sending a ton out through the mail. A big bill racking up there, but yeah, uh, going that's all good for sponsorship money. <laughs> <laughs> that's good for us. Uh, but hey, 
Thorny, before we get into that, uh, man, what, what what's in your golden coolie tonight? So um, I am have returned. I am have returned. What is wrong with me? I'm I'm drinking the dancing trout that I had several episodes ago. I don't remember what episode it was, but I've had it before. Um, I'm liking this beer less every time I drink it. It's like this. I only have one left after this. Thank goodness. Uh, I'm not enjoying it very much. Um, but it's beer. I got to get through it. I typically like the Bayern beer brewery quite a bit, but the dancing trout, it's not doing it for me anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to finishing this and cracking my Michelob Ultra. <laughs> we always have a backup beer. Mine's always a backup beer. Don't, don't always crack it. <laughs> well, who am I kidding? I, I always crack my second beer. You know, Thorny, something interesting tonight is we actually, for the first time, maybe ever... I think this is like episode 82 or something like that. I think we have the same brewery. I am actually drinking a Bayern beer myself. I got it at Trader Joe's this week. They came out with their Oktoberfest. Nice. Oh, man. How is it? I am a big fan of Oktoberfest beers. I love the multi beers now. I don't know why my IPA taste is still there, but being slowly overtaken by ambers and malty beers, at least in this season. So yeah, delicious. Yeah, I was at Costco yesterday, and there I was deciding whether I was going to pick up the Sam Adams Oktoberfest or the Polliner Oktoberfest. I ended up going with neither, but yeah, it's Oktoberfest season. I was like, I don't need that much Oktoberfest. I'll find something smaller, but I'm, I'm glad you picked one up. I love <laughs> Oktoberfest beer. Yeah, so both of us are drinking Bayern beers. You got the dancing trout. I got the Oktoberfest. It's a good life, man. Not bad. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Normally, we start off the show with some news coming out of Montana State. Thorny, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the stats FCS poll, or do you want to yeah, talk about maybe there. some of the injuries? Okay. Let's start the poll. Do you have that poll? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, oh, know the ca- I know the Cats came in 13th again. So All right. Well, I don't know. If, I don't think there's a whole lot of changes in the top 10. I know Weber dropped out after losing to James Madison on the Saturday night game. Other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot of movement. The Cats stayed level at 13. So basically, the Cats have beaten two Pioneer League football teams by a combined score of like 97 to 17 or something and have dropped a grand total of two spots. So that's fantastic for the Bobcats. But here we are, uh, number 13, which is honestly, I, I don't really have a problem with, but it's kind of it's kind of funny how that works out sometimes. Well, it is kind of interesting. We're sandwiched by UC Davis that jumped us from... They were 14 last uh, last week. Now they're sitting at 12. And below us at 14 is Weaver State. So that's kind of a, like a big sky sandwich right there. Like I just said, uh, Eastern's sitting at 6 and Montana's at 4. Other than that, I don't think there's any other big sky schools that are getting any love at the moment. Nope, there is not. That's okay. So... Not much to report there. Montana State's kind of just staying steady, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of in a wait-and-see mode, I think, with the Cats. Like, all right, they beat two teams that they were supposed to beat. But, you know, we're we're just not getting a lot of love on the polls right now. But like I said, that's completely fine. I think uh, Portland State's going to be our first chance to really uh, kind of jockey in those polls and get some respect if we were able to come out with victory. So, And we'll get to that. Okay. So on other news would be some sort of the injury front. Uh, I listened to Brett v- Brent Brett Brent Vegan today on his presser, and 
good news. Tyrell Thomas is going to be back for Portland State. And so I'm excited to see what kind of role he fits. Um, that's really interesting. Although Brent Vegan did say, you know, they're going to limit him early with some ideas of, I mean, they have a plan for him going forward that will be uh, more detailed as the games go in. But uh, so, yeah, nonetheless, excited for Tyrell. Um, and uh, <clears throat> he's definitely one of our best defenders. So I'm excited to get him back on was the it field. Coulter who asked him exactly how he was going to fit back in? Like, where is he going to come back? Somebody asked. I don't remember who it was, but he didn't really have an answer for that. You know, I don't think he would have told us anyways. No. I mean, he seems like a guy who kind of keeps some of that stuff close to his vest. Um, it, I'm, I am pretty curious to see how Thomas fits back in now that Okada seems to be like the best nickelback in the country. <laughs> yeah. We can talk. Uh, I, I want to talk about Ty sure, sure. At, at length a little bit later on. My man. Um, no, he's my man. <laughs> it's our man. Can it be ours? Our man. We're the same. <laughs> Ryan and Ryan. <laughs> the cat cat right. man. Hey. <laughs> uh, Cole Sane. Uh, he's looking to probably join again. That's huge. So it is big, provide some de- depth on the offensive line. Uh, we'll talk about the offensive line too, and some of our thoughts on that. I do have some some takes on that. Uh, the only other play, uh, he said, R.J. Fitzgerald is coming along, should come back this season. It turned out it was just an what was it, an elbow sprain or elbow dislocation, okay, something. Think, yeah, yeah, so that looked so can- gruesome. I never saw it, man. Like I was like looking down or watching something in the crowd yeah. when that happened, but I heard the crowd go. Ooh. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I clicked on the Bobcat Nation. Is it Felix who has the um, the photo magazine? He he yeah. linked some pictures to it, and I regretted clicking on it. <laughs> I instantly regret this. Yeah, I was like, oh no, why did I do that? I knew what I was. Gonna, I knew it was going to happen. But uh, there, I saw it. Don't don't yeah. click on it. So we're getting two uh, two players back, but uh, we lose Nolan Askelson. To me, that's a big, it's a big it loss. Is. He said out indefinitely for a couple of weeks. Again, Vegan's been kind of hush. He uses these broad terms like uh, there's a lower body yeah. injury. There's two kinds of injuries: upper, there's body, upper injury. body and lower body. That's it. That's the only kind of injuries Vegan <laughs> possesses in his vocabulary. Oh my gosh! Pretty soon he's just gonna be like, it's a body injury. <laughs> That will he's hurt undisclosed, but he will be out for a indeterminate amount of time, and uh, we're looking to get him back as soon as possible. Is that your Brent Vegan impression? <laughs> I think it was. It was really bad. <laughs> it's your first one. All right. <laughs> he did say, okay. and he said, "Okay, yeah." Nolan Askelson is a big loss, but he said also Nate Stewart's coming along, and he thinks Nate Stewart's going to oh, be yeah. back soon. Um, I mean, honestly, we could probably use him. Um, we have Willie Patterson and Lance McCutcheon have been playing pretty well, but aside of that, the third position hasn't really been uh, producing a whole lot. So good, good to have somebody back in the fold there in a week or two, maybe hopefully soon. And um, there a guy he mentioned, Kendrick Bailey, got hurt, who's been uh, who was a transfer safety from a community college, who's been playing pretty well on special teams. He got dinged up. Um, I, th- I believe that is it for our injury report. You got anything else? I don't. I was just going to see, um, aside injuries, I wanted to talk about power rankings real quick before we move into our key takeaways from the game. Yep. Did you 
Did you vote? No, this I did week? not this week. No. Oh man, we switched roles. So, <laughs> uh, my power rankings that I submitted for the Big Sky Podcast Network. I kept um, the Grizzlies at one. Mm. I put Montana State at two. I put Weber at three. Even though they had a tough game, I still think Weber is still legit. They're big. They're fast. Um, JMU kind of took it to them. It was. Uh, I think the score was a little closer than actually the game looked. But they scored a couple times legit. late. Later, the the mystery team, Davis. So I got them at four. I put uh, Eastern at five. I think Eastern's offense is number one. I think Eastern's defense maybe might be like down in 10, 11, Ville down there. NAU, surprisingly, number six. I mean, <laughs> NAU beat Arizona. Cool, jeez. Who saw that coming? Who saw Isn't that Alex Eshelman's team? I'm sorry, Alex, if uh, NAU beat. Yeah, I think she is a wildcat. That's, uh, <laughs> that's got to be brutal. Oh, man. Oh, we should get her on sometime. She's new to the Big Sky Conference. She doesn't really know how um, historically oh, bad Northern Arizona is. Either. Yeah. I could like springboard Northern Arizona, man. That could propel them a little bit. So maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, I got SAC at seven, uh, Idaho State at eight. I really don't know why I'm telling you the back half. This is all crap. Just going. Uh, Portland State. It. Portland State is nine. <laughs> uh, Northern Colorado ten. Eleven. I got Cal Poly. I almost in twelve. I put Idaho. I really wanted to put Idaho, but last just just cause because it. But they're slightly better than Southern Utah. I don't know. Southern Utah one. So, yeah, Thunderbirds. Can you put them at last after a victory? Come on, man. That was my adopted <laughs> spring team. Don't don't do don't do them dirty like that. <laughs> Mine was the Bengals, man. I was all about the Idaho State Bengals there in the spring. Anyways, that's the power rankings uh, via Ryan Foley. Well, if, if I would have voted, I'll just give my quick top five here. I would have put the Grizz. I think I would have put UCD, Cats, Eastern Weber. Would have been my top five. Man, I just don't know about Davis yet, but. Yeah, anyways, I, it's it's one of those things like uh, yeah, it's it, you're skeptical about them, but they've done nothing to be skeptical about, other than the fact that this, they just feel like you should be skeptical. It's just this gut feeling. I don't know, but they're proven everything, so hard to put them anywhere else. But number two, maybe number three. Yep. I can see the cats being number two. I I have no problem with your top five there. No, now that we get into conference play, we can actually have some like legit rankings going forward. So pretty stoked for that. All right, well, let's right. we keep this moving. We are on a deadline tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, time for the stat recap. Or actually, is there anything you want to mention about the Brent Vegan press conference? I guess we usually start with that. You know, they were pressing him still on Choate stuff, which I think he just takes in stride and yeah. he's a good guy about. Uh, I don't know who was asking him those questions, but. I kind of like honestly, I kind of cringe at him anymore. I'm like, okay, man, he's uh, he's answered this quite enough, and uh, you know, I'm I'll just say this: I'm starting to get on the Brent Vegan train, like more and more and more. And just when I listen to him, I appreciate his insight. I think what comes across to me, Ryan, is the man is very detailed and he knows his stuff, and so I like. I find like that I'm just like interested in listening to him just to like get educated. Like he was talking about Portland State's flex defense today. He gave like a little mini history lesson about that defense. 
I was like, well, that's really interesting. Yeah, he gives you a lot of background then, information on stuff. And he'll come back and say, oh, sorry for the long answer. <laughs> so, yeah, whereas, uh, you know, Jeff Chote, uh, here we go again, you know, Chote would just draw you in with his charisma. I feel like Vegan is doing, he's drawing me in with his intellect. And um, now he's got me leaning in now. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was standoffish for a while. I mean, we all know that. So that's been cataloged on here. But now I'm leaning in. I'm trusting him. He's an easy guy to trust, I feel like. But now I'm starting to believe. And uh, I think the players are too. I think that's, that, that, I think as a fan, I think we should talk about that and at least air that out over this podcast because I know my tide or my feelings towards him, my disposition is really warming. So I, I like that. Yep. Same here. And uh, in the interest of keeping things moving here, I won't talk too much about that, but because we could do a whole segment on that. But yeah, the questions about comparing and contrasting things against Choate, I think, you know, game three, those questions got to be going away. He's been here for a yeah, spring. He's been here for a summer. He's been here for a fall camp, and now he's had three games under his belt. Let's let the Jeff Choate questions go, in my opinion. All right. No comment. <laughs> no yeah, comment? I'm just going to – I don't have anything nice to say. All right. Well, anything else from the press conference stand out before we move on to the game recap? Let's go, buddy. I think hey, uh, we gotta do stats first. Stats. Well, yeah, that's. Well, yeah, that's a, the game recap includes stats. Uh, one quick thing: I loved Ty Okada's post game presser. <laughs> that was so funny talking about <laughs> telling the quarterback, like, "Hey, man, we're out here reading half your plays," and the quarterback's like, "Yeah, no, man, it's terrible." <laughs> yeah, it sucks out <laughs> so here. So funny. And there's there you oh, go. There's man. there's your. Uh, Essence of Jeff Choate lives on through Ty Okada. If you want the Jeff Choate interview, I think Ty Okada's got some of Jeff Choate in him. Yeah, that is so cool. You know, those post-game pressers are always my favorite. Uh, and yeah, this um, Ty Okada, man, who, he is just the star of the season so far. And like uh, like you and I were talking about, he's become this, like the face of Montana State. He's this, uh, he's this a well-spoken guy, gives you a good story, a good anecdote. And uh, he's just fun to listen to. So super engaging. Uh, he's playing the lights out. And, man, just, just tickling the media with all his uh, mm-hmm. his presence. I love it. So yep. good stuff. Yeah, very entertaining. And uh, we'll talk about him when we talk about the game for sure. So let's uh, <clears throat> let's get to the game here. The Bobcats come out on top against San Diego Toreros, which we all know what that is now, thanks to Ryan Foley's education on the word. The Bobcats dominated this in every single fashion. 22 first downs to 13 for San Diego. The Cats were 6 for 11 on third down while holding San Diego to just 4 of 16. Only 204 total yards for San Diego, and um, some of that was definitely against the twos is is when San Diego scored their only touchdown was against the second-string defense, second- and third-string defense. 540 yards piled up by the Cats, including 235 through the air, and... In my opinion, a deceptive 305 yards on the ground for the Cats. And we'll talk why I think that's deceptive. But we held San Diego to 78 yards on the ground, just 2.2 yards per rush on 35 rushing attempts. They only had 126 yards through the air on 12 of 26 passing, which is a very poor percentage, less than 50 completed passes. Both teams played clean, which is... Kind of a, an interesting thing. Like every single game the Bobcats have played so far have been low penalties by both teams. It, it's interesting. Um, 
I wonder if that's anything to do with like smack talk and getting in opponents' heads, and maybe we just don't do that anymore. But I don't know. Let's we can wax on that later if we want. Whatever. Um, just throwing out there two turnovers for San Diego. Both of them pick sixes by one by Tai Okada, one by the goat Troy Anderson, and again. San Diego ends up with more time of possession, 31 minutes to just 28, 29 for the Cats. Kind of a theme and actually something I want to talk about at some point. Um, but, you know, that's just the general stats there. Another good game by Matt McKay, 12 for 22 for 224 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Afonze, 10 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown with the longest 74 yards there right after halftime. And the leading receiver for the Cats this time is actually, reception-wise, you got three each for Lance McCutcheon, Willie Patterson, Derek Snell, and Trayton Pickering. And then you got one for Elijah Elliott, who took it to the 65 yards of the house. So a good effort from the receiving core, a good effort from all uh, key offensive personnel. And uh, yeah, man, just a dominating performance. And uh, where do you want to start on this bad boy? What's on the top of your mind? <laughs> as we As we say in our... Lame other podcast that no one listens to. <laughs> top of your mind. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, that is a great question. What is on the top of my mind? Let's talk about the rushing because you said you had uh, some thoughts on that 305. You, you called it, what was it, deceptive? deceptive. 305 yards? Like it's, it looks good on paper, but if you actually look at that, I mean, 44 of that was on Tommy Malott's QB keeper late in the game. Uh, 40 of it was Casey Bauman just like, just being a 6'8", 260 pound, 240 pound, whatever he is, just mowing over, uh, <laughs> a, a small Pioneer League team. And then, you know, Afonso, 74 Fonte. yards on one carry. You take all that out and it's pretty, it's pretty miserable. Um, let's see. I actually, in the first half, Afonso was just eight carries for 35 yards. And that's all he was sitting before his ninth carry went 74 yards. And then his 10th carry was like a no-gainer. In fact, he had two carries this game, and this is something I want to ask you. He had two carries this game for a loss. Afonso was stuffed two times behind the line of scrimmage by a Patriot League team on 10 carries. 20% of his carries were for a loss. How many how many carries for a loss would you, did you think Afonso had in, in 2019? I don't have an answer for this, so <laughs> I'm just kind of curious. I can't imagine it's very high, right? I don't know, maybe 10 to 20. You can get stuff 20 times behind the line scrimmage. <laughs> Probably. Twice, yeah. twice a game. I mean, that's been the de- that's been the defense against us in the last five years. Yeah. Maybe. Back I don't know. the box, man. But if you take away the, the second, third string quarterbacks running and the, and the big one burst from Mafonze, like the, the, the running game is just still a concern of mine. Whereas this doesn't seem like the offensive line is moving people it seems like people are uh defen- defensive uh, players are getting off the blocks pretty easily and there's just guys waiting for the running backs like right at the line of scrimmage sitting there unblocked just with their feet planted ready to hit and i know you said you wanted to talk about the offensive line so is this something that you wanted to kind of talk about in terms of the run game yeah well i i just got a kind of a couple thoughts on it we have a lot of guys playing different positions this year it's only been three games. It's going to be a little bit of a learning curve right there. We're starting two freshmen on the offensive line. Like I said, it's only been three games. Colson. So that's that's something. That's something. I just think, I think we have the dudes. They just haven't 
mastered their position quite yet. Maybe just they just haven't gelled as a line yet. I know we're used to just running just down the throats of everybody, even when they are stacking the box. Am I disappointed in the run game right now? Uh, slightly, but I have hope. I'm not like, oh man, this is a lost cause. I see this as a work in progress. And I think by the end of the year, we will get there. I mean, it's not going to be as prolific as it was in 2019. That was like a record-breaking Big Sky Conference year, borderline, like all-time team, rushing team. So I, I, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations, but even my tempered expectations, I think they're not meeting at this point. I'm, I want to say I'm not concerned yet, but it's something I'm keeping my eye on. I want to see it start to gel. I want to see it start to click. Matt McKay is is getting better and better at, at the run game with the RPO stuff, so that's a big plus. But the running backs just still don't seem to have anywhere to run. None of them, and it's starting to be a little concerning for me. But uh, just something to keep an eye on. And like you said, lots of new players, lots of freshmen, guys playing out position. I think it's going to gel. Uh, but but to be honest, you would you almost would hope that any offensive line that MSC threw out there would be able to dominate better against teams like Drake and San Diego. Yeah, I can't argue that. I just think it's going to take time. And I think when it clicks, it's going to click. My question is, are we running different schemes with our blocking? So I'm not sure about that. Maybe. Do you know any, I'm not, do I'm you have an answer to that? that? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Ryan, uh, what's on your mind about this game? I mean, I said that That's basically a very broad my, question. my biggest biggest thing right there. Um, so this these are the kinds of games where you win like you're supposed to win. And in a normal year, you may not be able to take away a whole lot from it. But in the case of like the Bobcats, the third game with a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, replacing almost our entire secondary Trey Anderson switching positions, like the defense is like revamped completely in a lot of different ways. So these are the kinds of games where you can learn things. And one thing that we learned is that I think that the coordinators are learning a lot and, and uh, each game they're getting better and better. This is, I think Freddie Banks's best game as a defensive coordinator. I loved how aggressive they were. I loved the blitzes he called. He even said in the, I was watching the Bobcat sports report, uh, that MSU does with Alex Eshelman and Zach Mackey, and he was talking about how he wants to be more aggressive in this game, and that actually played out. Um, he said it, and it happened. I love that. Um, so those are the kind of things you want to you want to see. So I guess uh, before we get into anything else, what did you think of the, the defensive performance and Freddie Banks' calm plays on Saturday? I was going to ask you a question. I had something queued right up for that. I, I want to talk about your question as well, but I, I'm going to put it right back on you, Ryan. I'm going to flip-flop this, buddy. Do you think we showed too much against Drake? San Diego? Uh, yeah, the Toreros. <laughs> yes. The Drake Toreros. Yeah, the Drake Toreros. I mean, honestly, <laughs> they're, kind of, they're kind of melded into one opponent yeah, in my mind, too. I, know, so right? I, I totally get that, uh, that thought. <laughs> um. I don't know, to be honest with you. That hadn't really occurred to me, and maybe there's more in there. But honestly, it's at the point of the season, man. You're gonna, you can't keep the element a surprise forever. I, I don't know. I just, 
I, I love to, to see the aggressiveness. So maybe maybe there's more packages. Maybe there are schemes going on there. I don't know. But uh, to answer your question, I do not know, man. How about you? What do you think? Well, I think we could have beat Drake without doing some of the blitz packages that we had. Excuse me. I called him Drake again. The <laughs> Toreros from Beat San our Diego. most recent opponent. Although, I don't know what's more to offer. I kept... Uh, a couple of notes I kept writing down was, man, I love our blitz pla- blitz packages. I'm having trouble saying that. I loved when I saw Troy Anderson, you know, plug up the middle and Jeffrey Manning coming in behind him, just taking a straight shot towards the quarterback because Troy was commanding a blocker. I love seeing guys come off the edge. I love our secondary blitzing. I loved it all, man. I love seeing uh, Amandre get after the quarterback. I love watching Daniel Hardy just disrupt. Chase Benson is such a dude. He is. He's man. so fun to watch. This interior guy, he's just dominating in there. This this game was weird because it felt like it was over, like, first quarter. So second quarter, it was... I felt it was over after the first like, series like, for each team, to be honest with you. After I saw what <laughs> yeah. the cast did, and after I saw... The first series for San Diego where we basically just clobbered their offensive line and hit the quarterback three straight <laughs> times and like knocked him on his butt three straight times. Like, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. So, I, I'm, I'm confused in my mind. Like, I think maybe we did show too much. Maybe we could have held back uh, for Portland State or maybe Freddie Banks and team have something else in line. So, I just don't know. I mean, to be seen. So, uh, definitely that's a, a consideration. One thing I want to talk about defense, though. Man, I love the defense. I, I'm falling in love with mm-hmm. our defense. I feel that... Here, Here's the key point. I'm thinking like I was on a run just today, and, and you know I do all my long thinking on my runs, is our defense feels like it's more special because more people are making plays in the defense. And to me... A difference from that is like when you think back to 2019, I felt like it was more the star players getting most of the shine. And now I'm seeing I'm seeing the secondary, I'm seeing the fronts or the front four, the linebackers, everybody's contributing. And not only that, Ryan, they're playing their butts off. Man, they're flying to the ball. I know it's critical on Wyoming on that. <laughs> I'm going to go back to that. Like, I'm just going to whip myself on that a lot, hopefully. Hey. But holy cow, just the defense is just flashing. I think they're playing fast. Tayakata talked about it in the press conference. He says, um, everybody's got a job. They all trust it. And they're doing it at 100 miles per hour. No, that was actually Brent Vegan who said that. Um and he also said we suffocated them with our defense and took advantage of them on offense. And they're right. The defense has been suffocating. Again, it's just been kind of some lower-level teams. But San Diego's been a playoff team in the last couple of years. I don't know. So I just I really like your defense. I, I like the blitzes. I like, I like everything about it right now. And then my questions in my notes, I said, is this better than what we were? That, that, is this better than what we had in 2019? In 2018, I don't know. I mean, to be seen, but what I'm seeing right now, I'm I'm really stoked. I mean, you want to talk about effort and playing hard and fast? 
talk about that Tai Okada pick six. Jeff Manning, whoo, that was like one Jeff. of the best effort hustle blocks I've seen since the one that kind of came to mind was there was a, a game, I think it may have been against Weber, where uh, maybe Tanner Bleskin caught a touchdown pass and Tia Salanoa ran the entire way down and like wiped the dude out at the last second. It's like one of these things that comes to my mind. But Jeff <laughs> Jeff Manning, man, just flying, like just sprinting full speed, catching up with everybody and actually passing Okada with enough time to figure out where the uh, um, defender is at this point um, and wipe him out so Otai Okada could score. That's the kind of like team buying and commitment and hustle and effort that is going to make, make go a long ways to making this a, a, cal, a championship caliber team. And to your question... It's way too early to tell. Um, I think they have the potential to potentially be as good, if not better, than the 2019, only 2019 defense because because I think they have more athleticism in a lot of a lot of areas. There's a couple areas where they're not quite as good, maybe in particular the defensive line. But right now, like the opponent, the level of play, and only three games in, I can't say that for sure yet. But the, just the fact that we're talking about that they could be there is, I think more than I think a lot of people were expecting at the beginning of the season. I think our secondary is better than I thought they would be. We had uh, we had big questions about losing our our big secondary. Uh, Jacque Allen helping out. Brandon Conkle and JoJo Henderson. Yeah. I mean, a little brain fart for me right there, but I don't feel like we're missing them right now. No, so, uh, that was like, uh, how could we possibly replace them? I think that the low key signing of Trey Webb has been the just an absolutely coup by Brent Vegan. I don't even know how he did that, but to, to get Trey Webb in here <laughs> has totally solidified the defense and and made everything all right. All right, hey, let's talk a little bit about the offense. All right, so here's my take on the offense. MSU's offense is doing a better job of taking what the defense is giving them. And then attacking that. And what I mean by that is we used to, our old offense, and by old offense, I mean Jeff Choate's offense, was we forced the run game, whether it was working or not, but it worked. But we would force it. When you listen to Brent Vegan say, hey, we look at the defense and we take what they give us, and if that's they're taking away a run, we're going to pass. He's completely right on that. Something and some of my crit- do. Yeah, some some of my critiques though on that is like a lot of a couple not a lot, I shouldn't say a lot. That's a little bit hyperbole, but on first downs, a couple first downs last last uh weekend, we were we were trying to hit deep shots on first. I don't like trying to hit deep shots on first unless you connect on them, but we weren't. So then that puts you in second and long. And so it's just kind of, to me, it's kind of a wasted down. But is that what the defense was showing? Are we taking advantage of that? I don't know. It just feels our our offense is a lot more balanced this year. We're not forcing the issue. And I believe 100% in vegan when he says we're taking what the defense has shown us and we're attacking that. What are your thoughts? A couple of those uh, deep shots were straight up like overthrows that would have been touchdowns like they were good play calls they were good play designs that wide receiver had his man beat uh it was kind of a windy day in bozeman and mac mckay just couldn't quite hit him 
in general, I don't love deep strikes on first down. But I'm more, I'm more, I'm more conservative um, play caller in my head, I guess you say. <laughs> I also hate run first down, run second down, and then like third and nine, you pass. I hate that stuff too. So <laughs> it's a, it's a hard thing to be. And I'll, obviously, we'll never be an offensive coordinator. We'll never have half the knowledge that even a, a newcomer like Taylor House right has. Um, um, but that comes up, that brings me to a point that I actually had written down is sustained drives. And that kind of is a little bit what we're talking about here, but taking big shots on first down, we seem to be kind of a boomer bust a little bit right now. We'll either run it for two yards or we'll have a 20 yard pass completion. Those are the two things that seem to be happening more than anything. I actually went back and looked at the, uh, longest drives from each of our games and the average drive, um, in Wyoming, our average drive was only two minutes long. And now, to be honest, I've never gone and back to a game before and looked at average drives, so I don't know what a good average is. But I know that the longest drive we had at Wyoming was four minutes and one second. Drake was 455, and San Diego, we actually got up to 521. But we've only had two drives all year over five minutes. And I know typically a ball control offense, man, you want to have like six, seven-minute drives that kind of just take take a whole half of a quarter up and – and we've we've had a we only had one three and out against San Diego, but we had three against Wyoming and three against Drake. So these are things that you know it's telling me that our drives could be more sustained, a little bit longer, um, you know, more plays. We're not running a lot of plays because we're we're having like big boomer bust type plays. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. But overall, man, I'm I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the offense. I'm very impressed with Matt McKay. Um, I think he's the guy that that Choate would have absolutely loved because he doesn't turn the ball over, but he also has some more dynamic playmaking ability. Like he's not, he doesn't take a lot of chances, but he, when he does, he's able to connect on them. So I think he's very efficient. I think he's getting better with his legs. I think he's getting better with his RPO. He's only thrown, uh, he's thrown zero interceptions all year. Uh, man, I'm, I'm really liking Matt McKay, but he's going to have to push it downfield a little bit more once conference play comes around. Yeah, he's gonna have to let it rip. He's got to let it he's rip. He's taking there. the sure route on on a lot of those uh, RPOs, and so yeah, if the running game's not there, he's McKay, gonna have though, to I take mean, some more chances. His stat line is the same every game. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, Brent Brent Vegan. I keep calling him Brett. I'll just call him Vegan. Vegan said yeah, he has why a sixty-seven why you know full percent name? passing. <laughs> we all know. I don't he is. know. Maybe I feel like I need to introduce our coach still. I'm not sure. Uh, 67% uh, passing efficiency. That's pretty good. It's amazing. Vegan said he was like, you know, our standard is uh, around 60%. So McKay's above that. The cool thing is like the thing that is kind of like not blows my mind, but just like stands out is he has no turnovers. Mm-hmm. I think we all actually only have one turnover on the year so far, and that's the lost fumble, but I can't even remember when that was. Do you want me to jinx Matt McKay? <laughs> I wasn't until you said it. Well, you, you're talking about he only has no turnovers, so I feel like it's a good time as any to to mention the fact that he's only thrown one interception in his seven career um, starts dating back to NC State. So now he's going to throw one against Pro State. <laughs> but like 288 passes... In his college career, and he's throwing like one interception. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Anything else about the offense? We've talked 
I think we've hit on all the major points of the San Diego game. Again, a game you can't take a lot away from normally, but oh, the last thing I do want to say, we didn't give up a last second drive on either half. In fact, we had a pick six. I remember uh, San Diego got the ball with like two or two and a half minutes left, whatever it was, and you were talking about, oh, here we go. Are we going to give up a touchdown? Nope. Pick six, Tayakata. So that's what I like to see. And we got to see Troy Anderson score. Yeah. Touchdown. Man, that was nostalgic, wasn't it? Galloping Troy. I mean, he just looks different when he runs. <laughs> it looked like the same. It was like, oh man, I I, I kind of missed oh, this. Wow. I kind of missed seeing that. Ooh, felt oh, felt yeah. good to watch. Of course, we kind of missed seeing that. So it's uh, yeah, that was that was really cool to see. Uh you know, I'm gonna give a little shine. Last thing for me, uh, for Jah- Jahari Martin, scores first touchdown yeah, as a Bobcat. Congrats. That guy's been just working his butt off. He's making his way. He's just carving his niche out in in Montana State, and he just comes across as such a team player. He comes across like he just likes being a bobcat. So I just I root for that guy. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. All right. All right, Thorny. Before we get into Portland State, real quick, one thing I had written down that I I was kind of interested in talking about we don't have to wax on this too long is we've played three games. What are your, what's your like initial takeaway from the Bobcats? Maybe a surprise. So what's, what's your non-conference slate surprise from the Bobcats? I think we kind of hit on it. My surprise is just how good the defense is just in general, like how good they look even against, you know, we struggled against teams like that in the past. Jeff Choate has, Rob Ash has, everyone did. And defensively, we just locked down San Diego and Drake. And even even Wyoming, who's gone on to score like 45 points a game or something in their in their two FBS games against Northern Illinois and uh, Ball State. So we held them to the lowest out, point output of the season. Like we're averaging like, I don't know, 12, 13 points a game or something like that. I'm just super impressed with the defense. That's been a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, going into the season, not knowing what to expect. I'd also say Matt McKay is probably lumped in there as well. He's kind of just been a steady Eddie for Montana State. Like I said, his stat line seems to be the same every week, and that's not a bad thing. He's taking care of the ball. He's being very productive. I liked his rushing stats this last game he showed his his ability to press the edges a little bit more and i just you know, he just he seems to get a little bit better each game that we've seen so defense matt mckay those are some some present surprises do you have any concerns i have a question for you real quick before we talk about concerns um you and i i think both predicted sometime in the offseason that we think tucker rovig would win the starting job back do you still feel that way I'm not sure I do. <laughs> right? We both said I, not, that. Right? No, you know. You know, uh, I, it's too early. As far as earning it back, probably not. If I'm being honest. And that pains me to say because you, everybody listening to this podcast knows we are fans of Tucker Rovig. He's done nothing to... Man, he's just he's just been there. He's done it all. So, hmm, no, Ryan, I think it's Matt McKay's job. 
I Unless do, he gets hurt. I know, do love... Uh, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, same here. Um, I do love how Rovig has embraced that kind of leader on the bench role, the captain role. Like, he's he's really grown a lot as just a, like a person, as a, as a teammate. And I really got to applaud him for that. So, <laughs> before we... Before we move on from that, I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. So, concerns? I mean, we've been talking about it. The running game is still a concern for me. Um, I, maybe not a concern. It's still a strong word, but something I'm definitely keeping an eye on. And the other one, we've talked about this too, is defensive line depth, but we're rotating so many guys in there. Um, Kyle Rigg going down made me uh, concerned in Wyoming, but we've been just rolling guy after guy in there. They, they've all been playing well. As long as you got... Benson, Hardy, and Amandre Williams in there, like that is a solid enough group that the fourth guy is you can just plug up blocks, and that's that's all he's going to have to do at that point. So overall, but besides that, I mean, those are the only two things that are really giving me any sort of hesitation right now. Yeah, I don't think I need to respond to that. I think I would be exactly the same. All right. You want to move on to the Bruce Barnum Free beer for everybody, <laughs> Portland Vikings, Portland State Vikings. Uh, he he said uh, this weekend, uh, bring your no. checkbook because <laughs> there's no more free beer, no more barn yeah, beer. He said that uh, there was an interview someone posted, and this like listen to the end. So I went ahead and listened to the end. He said definitely it's not happening this weekend. I'm not I, I'm not terribly far from Portland. I would have considered it if there was free beer involved. But uh, <laughs> moving on to the Portland State Vikings, who are one and two after losses to FBS Hawaii and Washington State. Was it? Correct. And there's some serious internet issues going on between us. This episode's going to be pretty jarbled, I think. Yep. Okay. I'm glad you're seeing it too. I've been just trying to ignore it and just trying to pick up on the like little bits and pieces I can hear. So, so they had the two FBS wins and then they were only able to beat Western Oregon 21 to seven. And I guess it was a downpour um, and Western Oregon didn't score late a division two squad, but there you have it. Portland state two and one. Um, where do you want to start with Portland state? A, a team that is like always, Seems to be some preseason hype for it, but maybe doesn't live up to it most of the time. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on Portland State right now. Yeah, Portland State is kind of like Cal Poly to me, like or at least like Cal Poly was when Cal Poly was a triple option. I always felt Portland State was just a little bit odd, and I don't know if it if that's we play in Portland State when we go to Hillsborough and we play in that like high school stadium. Is that just the oddity that I feel? Is it the flex defense that is unique to them? I don't know. I think, well, last time we played Portland State, it was 2018. We went to Portland State. So, again, we're traveling to Portland State. We haven't played Portland. Portland State hasn't come to Bozeman um, in the last three years. I don't know, man. I, I just feel like every time we go play against Portland State, the questions are always like, man, Portland State could take it to you, but then we end up whooping them. Last year, or in 2018, we beat them 43-23. to 23. Trey Anderson had 318 all-purpose yards. 
211 of them were rushing. He had two touchdowns on that game. He had like that 66-yard scamper. Uh, he just put his foot down and took off. And so we just kind of bludgeoned them in that game, and it wasn't even close. But you you always hear about this uh, this unique defense that they run. The What's it called? The Flex. Yeah, the Flex. It had another name. It, it has its origins. Vegan was saying it was called the Arizona Swarm. So the Arizona Wildcats, I think, were the first team to kind of implement this. And then Desert Swarm. Uh, <laughs> Desert Swarm. <laughs> Desert Swarm. <laughs> there you go. The Arizona Swarm sounds like more of like a locusts. Uh, like, well, yeah, like a, <laughs> like a beehive or something. Anyways, uh, I don't know. Coulter said it was like in vogue for a while. Uh, and then the uh, no vegan went anymore. on to tell us. Yeah, Vegan went on to tell us to uh, tell us like how it runs, whatever. I'm not going to bore us with that, but I don't know. Uh, I think we make a lot about Portland State because we always say they're dangerous, but I don't know, man. They always have kind of just whoop their butts. They always have (laughs) talent. Yeah. And I think that's what it kind of comes down to is it is a team that always has talent and everyone kind of expects to maybe make a run. I mean, they're kind of like. Them and Sac State are very parallel to me. They're in big, pretty big cities. Portland's not as big as Sacramento, obviously, but lots of areas to recruit from. They always get those guys that maybe couldn't fit into the bigger schools near them. There's always talent there. They always seem to have guys in the NFL. Like, I'm pretty sure Portland State and Sac State put more guys in the NFL than the Cats typically do. But I just can never translate it into success, except for, you know, a couple of years where they have like lightning in a bottle, like, Bruce Barnes' first year where he took over as interim head coach and they went like 9-2, and two, including two FBS wins. And then, of course, Sac State's first year under Troy Taylor, first time they made the playoffs in like program history. So, I mean, that's kind of how I see Portland State right now. And then the Cats have won 10 of the last 11 meetings, uh, the last two in a row against Portland State. My concern now is, though, and this is actually a concern I have for much later in the season against the Grizz, um, the Grizz and Portland State both run pretty unique defenses that are predicated on a lot of different things. And it seemed the style of offense MSU ran was perfectly counter to both of those styles of defense. Is this new iteration going to confuse Matt McKay and actually um, slow down the cat offense and actually cause a lot more problems instead of just Trey Anderson just finding where dudes aren't and then running there. <laughs> basically, basically the <laughs> offensive plan with the with the Trey Anderson 2019 or 2018 <laughs> offense was just run where guys aren't. Um, I'm not sure it's gonna be so simple this time. To be honest with you, yeah, but it might not be such a huge departure as you're maybe thinking as well. So if we have the coaches that were there. I'm sure. They've game plan for this. I mean, however, I did think of that. I did think of that angle as well. Uh, I guess the only thing that gave me a little bit of like comfort was how eloquent vegan was talking about this. What do you call desert swarm? Okay. Yeah. The the flex defense. The flex. He knew all about it. You know, he's like, yeah, this is what you do. This was already talked about like the defensive or the, they used to play Cal Poly and Cal Poly was like an FCS independent. And they had like a defensive coach, rich, like rich Ellerson or somebody um, who ran it. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'm familiar with that. You know, we, we played against that offense once 19 (laughs) years ago. 
or something. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Ryan, to, to, to maybe answer your question a little bit better, kind of go back to what I said earlier in the podcast about how Vegan said our offense is taking what the defense is presenting. I think that's, uh, that should give you some hope right there. So, yeah, but that's the hard part with Portland State is you don't know what they're presenting. And that's, that's the whole point, point of the flex is to confuse the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's going mean, to require some good reads by Matt McKay early to get some, uh, to not make the wrong reads and throw some bad balls and interceptions. He's going to have to be on the money right from the get-go. Or you soften it up with a nice running game, which is, you know, if MSU is going to get their running game with their running backs going, this is the game that's going to, you know, be pretty important to do that. But wasn't the Western Oregon game 21-7? to I mean, that was like, that was the weirdest thing to me because I looked at the games from Wyoming, or not Wyoming, Hawaii and Washington State, both FBS schools, right? Yep. They were putting up some like 41, 44 points against, or excuse me, 24 points. A much bigger score, much bigger spread. I don't know. And then Western Oregon comes to town, 21 7. What happened there? Was it just the weather? I'm not sure. I couldn't figure that out. I think a lot of it was the weather. There were some turnovers. Portland State's been pretty bad with the ball. I think they've had seven turnovers this year already. Um, I also saw that the Vikings had 11 penalties in that game, which is Ooh. a ton of penalties. They had eight combined in the first two games, and they had 11. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it was just an ugly, sloppy, rainy game. All the fans were drunk off the free Bruce Barnum beer, all, all 3,000 of them. <laughs> they sold 2,000 beers for 3,000 fans. That's pretty, uh, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah, but th- those FBS games are a little misleading too because I think both those games were like three or four score games like pretty quickly into the second or third quarter. So I think basically um, Portland State just went into Davis-Alexander mode for the second half, and that's why the games got a little closer than the score indicated. Um, Alexander, I think, is the leading throwing uh, passing quarterback in the league right now in terms of yardage. My My stats are loading very slowly, but... You know, Davies Alexander, um, if you're not familiar with him as a Bobcat fan, I mean, you probably, you probably sh- should know him. He's a pretty tough, um, mobile little quarterback who gives lots of defenses headaches. He's got a pretty good arm. He's um, very, like I said, he's very tough. He's one of the tougher quarterbacks in the league, and he's not afraid to run it, and he's not afraid to, afraid to sling it. I think he's averaging like 300-some-odd passing yards a game in, early on in the season, possibly. So, um, actually, he's not the leading. There's no way he's the leading passer anymore with what Eric Berrier did to uh, Western Illinois. We don't need to get into that, but point is Davis Alexander, very good, very good quarterback. And honestly, this is going to be, I think possibly the biggest test so far of the season for the Bobcats in terms of like, I mean, FES games are, they are what they are in the grand scheme of things are not that important. It was a weird one with Brenton Vegan playing against his old team the first time the Bobcats have played a football game in a long time. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of weird variables in that game. And then we play two non-scholarship teams right after that at home. Now we're going on the road against a conference foe, a more like similar opponent, uh, a team that's going to have much more talent than than Drake or San Diego across the board. Doesn't mean they're better football team. They're going to be bigger, more athletic dudes. This is going to be the biggest test for the, the Bobcats. And there's not going to be any atmosphere, as we always talk about Portland State. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be a tough test, and um, yeah, I mean, just yeah, that's just my general thought on Portland State. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would echo everything you said. 
I would think back to what Ty Okada was saying in his presser is that uh, we have a laser focus every week, the task at hand. What do we need to do to get the job done? Ty Okada talked about bringing the energy this week for this specific game, knowing that it's going to be kind of a vacuum of energy over there. There's a choism. Yeah, so I'm gonna lean on what I'm gonna lean in on what Ty said. It's gonna be a tough game. You're right. It's a big sky opponent. Big sky is no joke. That's a Okada ism. He said that verbatim. But yeah, it was. I guess we're just gonna have to wait for Saturday. It's if it was the Jeff Choate team, I'd say we just run the crap down their throats. But it's not anymore. We have a bigger balance. Maybe, like you said, I might present a little bit more of a challenge for our current offense. However, I like our defense against our offense. I think there's a chance that our secondary might feast on some David Alexander, or maybe we'll get burned. Who knows? Because I think, uh, too, right, Brian, is like when Montana State has struggled defensively, it's been on that third and long a little bit. When uh, the quarterback would like come out of the pocket, and then uh, we'd, uh, you know, just hit hit the guy on the outside for nine, ten yards. You've been kind of burned on that play a couple times. So ah, I don't know. I'm talking myself into circles. I just, I, I guess, I just got to wait for Saturday. Big question mark from Foley. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just realized and this is going to be a pretty big test for actually um, Taylor Housewright. I think it's going to be very important play calling in this game. Or, you know, this, this, like you said, Jeff Choate was a he didn't care who you're playing. They're going to basically do most of the same thing. They're going to run the ball in varied ways and just attack you and be more physical than you. This is going to be, require a bit more scheming um, and game planning, I think, on the part of Taylor House, right? And I'm sure there'll be plenty of input for Brent Vigan, um, who says he's familiar with the the defense that they run. I think David Alexander is going to have get some yards. He's going to he's going to make Bobcat fans not as confident in the defense as they were. I think in the, in the, in the, in the, in the end, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it looks. I think people might overreact to it, but I think they're going to get their yards, um, points. I don't know about points, but they're going to move, move the ball a lot better than the opponents have been. They're going to have a better offensive line. Um, I don't think Portland State has much of a running game. It's going to be basically, if you can control Davis Alexander, you can basically control the Vikings, but they're going to put up, they're going to put up a bigger, bigger fight. And this is a pretty big test for the, for the young Bobcats and the young, um, coordinators and head coach. Ultimately, you and I both picked this as a victory in our preseason prediction thread, and I'm still feeling the same way. I think the Cats will win, and I honestly think the, we don't make a lot of predictions here. Um, I think it's going to be probably at least a two-score game, if not a three-score game. I, I do think the Cats win this, but you know it's going to be it's going to be a tough game, and it's not going to be a blowout. I don't think like a lot of people are predicting necessarily on, on uh, Bobcat Nation. I saw some like. 50 to 10 scores. I'm like, I just don't, that's not going to happen on the road against Portland state. Maybe it will. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see that. Yeah. Big question mark for me, but yeah, I predict we're going to win. Anything else you want to talk about Portland state? Any players to watch or anything like that? I mean, basically it's Davis Alexander and, uh, their stud, um, cornerback whose name I don't have written down. Unfortunately, just frustrating me, but they have like a all American cornerback, and I, gosh, why can't I not <laughs> know who it is? Uh, it's Anthony Adams. There we go. 
six foot, 185 pound junior All American cornerback, probably a pro prospect. He's going to be a guy that, uh, you know, you got to keep an eye on. Matt McKay's going to have to know where he is and uh, possibly avoid his side of the field, to be honest. So, a couple guys, a couple big playmakers for the on offense and defense for the Portland State. But overall, I just, I like the Cats in this one. Two other names you might want to watch out for Parker McKenna, a freshman linebacker. He's leading the team in tackles, he has 22 tackles. And VJ Malo, a junior defensive tackle. Yeah, he's a stud. He has seven points. Yeah, seven point five tackles for a loss. So, um, just two guys. Watch out for them on when Portland State's playing defense. Anything else about the Vikes before we move on to our Golden Cooley questions to take us out of here? No, I'm just you know, why are we playing in Portland again? I always feel like we always go to the same spots. They, those guys never come to us. When's the last time Weaver played us? When was the last time Portland State came to Montana State? It's a good question. I get tired of these these reoccurring spots where like Montana State is always traveling to the same spots. And it seems like we always play Portland State like first or second game in conference. So That's not supposed to be done now. That's supposed to be every four years you'll play every team at least what, once home and away. It's not going to be so lopsided, but that just started. So it's like throwing out all the other stuff from last year. It's like, well, you played at Weber State last time. Too bad you're doing it again. And same with Eastern. I feel like I play Eastern in Cheney all the time too. I know, right? Anyway, let's get to some golden coolie questions. You got any queued up here? Oh, Technocat, or excuse me, not Technocat, Teton Cat says, will we see the diamond package with a Fonse, Elliot, Martin in the backfield with McKay. And then he gave a bold prediction because I, uh, I encouraged the uh, the people to uh, write in a bold prediction as well. Bold prediction. Bobcat defense will make Barney give up beer. Smiley face, laughing face is what he puts right there. And real bold prediction. Tight end, wide receiver, running back all have a receiving touchdown. Will we see the diamond package? Afonso, Elliot, Martin in the back of Thorning? Uh, I don't think we will. That would be kind of cool. Thorning, my question to you is to build on Teton Cat's question, which I really like. What is your ultimate, if you could build a diamond package in the backfield, who would be your four? Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Anderson, uh, Fonze, Willie Patterson, and uh, yeah, there you go. Say that again. You you broke up on my part. So Fonze, Troy, who else? Um, I'm talking about McKay, Troy Anderson, Willie Patterson, Isaiah Fonze. Hmm. Maybe Charles Brown quarterback. instead of Willie Patterson, too. I could go either one of those guys. <laughs> what if we put four quarterbacks back there? What if we put McKay, Tucker Rovig, Casey Bauman, and Tommy Malott on the... <laughs> hey, mine already had three. Willie Patterson and Troy Anderson <laughs> were both uh, quarterbacks in high school. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good question. I, I really like that one from Tito. It's fun. That's fun to, one to think about. I was still like dreaming of like Trey Anderson and Chris Murray 
and and like Nick Lassane and whoever else was around. Man, we had like such a potential, but uh, Chris Murray obviously didn't make it to a junior year. <laughs> but uh, wow, wow, would have been a super fun when we were actually still running the diamond formation. I don't think we're going to see a diamond package though, because uh, I don't think that's in Taylor House Wright's wheelhouse. Should be though. That'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. All right. Thanks, Teton Cat. Uh, let's see. We got a different one from DMSU Brew. He only has 18 posts on Bobcat Nation. He's already contributing. I like it. How would you best use Milot? He's behind a bunch of really good running back. He's way too good. It would seem to not be on the field in some way. Bold prediction, Kyle Kakata gets his second straight pick. Nice. Pick oh, six. Oh, pick six. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make sure it's the full how, bold prediction. How would you use him a lot? I Can wouldn't. I start? <laughs> yeah, me. Exactly. Not yet. Let him let There's him nowhere learn. for him to him go learn. right now. There's no obvious, like, we're struggling here, so we need an athlete. Like, we don't have the problem anywhere. So, you don't know if Tommy Malott can catch the ball. That's not a skill that you just automatically are good at. I don't think he's ever played wide receiver before. Obviously, he can run the ball. I mean, I don't know where you put him, though. I just don't know. You put him at uh, third-string quarterback, fourth-string quarterback for for this year. Put him on special teams. Like, I don't know. There's just nowhere else for him to really go right now. And I agree. He's a special athlete, and I'd love to have him on the field. There's just nothing. There's nothing for him right now. Yeah, I don't think he's better than the people in front of him. And I get it. You know, like he's a Montana guy. You know, he's a Butte guy. And, you know, people rally behind that. That's cool. I, I get that. But not right now. He's just he's just going to learn. And he's going to grow. He's going to get better. And when his time comes, he's on the bench right now. Unless we're up by, like, 40. And then let him run the offense. There you go. All right, Bleeding Blue asks us, how do the Cats score their first touchdown and who scores it? Um, Isaiah Fonze, rushing touchdown from like eight yards. <laughs> so boring, so boring. It's not a bold uh, prediction, it's, a, it's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, first play of the game, first offensive play of the game, last game against the Toreros, we missed a wide open McCutcheon, just overthrew him. He would have he would have trotted in for a touchdown. So I'm gonna go McCutcheon. I think we're gonna go back to the well on that. All right. He also says right. his bold prediction is Okada and Hardy will be on the Buck Buchanan watch list next week after another impressive performance by both this weekend. Not sure. Not sure about that. You know, I would say Troy's doing a lot better at uh the middle or Mike linebacker than he was game one. He seems so much faster, more comfortable, more instinctual. It's been fun to watch him progress in that in that role. So, kudos to Troy. I never thought I would have to say kudos to Troy. <laughs> like, yeah, he's definitely showed some improvement. I mean, that's a fun conversation. I have no idea what it has to do with anything that he just said, but cool. <laughs> he was talking about Okada and Hardy, but sure. <laughs> Ooh. So we do have a a new bold prediction, not a new bold prediction, but a buy or sell. Oh, uh, a new 
contribution, a golden coolie question. Here we go. A cats are us. This is only his or her ninth post on Bobcat Nation. That's a newbie right there. How much of a friendly competition do you think Troy and Ty are having right now? Who will come out on top this week? So we'll start there. I think I think Ty is embracing it. I think Troy is like, well, you know, whatever. You know, I'm just doing my job. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't, honestly, I don't think they're having a competition. They're just they're just having fun right now, playing for the cats, doing their job by herself. Last week, you guys talked about running backs getting a hundred yard rushing game. I think he left out one person, McKay. That's a good point. I'm buying that he rushes for a hundred yards against the Vikings. So that's a bold prediction right there. I like that one. It's I think it's easy to think that because of how the Bobcats moved the ball last time against Broughton State. Um, I'm kind of thinking they're going to kind of go away from that for some reason. I don't know why. I'm going to think I'm going to try and trick the defense and outsmart them and actually get the ball in the hands of uh, some playmakers more than just McKay. So I think uh, I'm going to – I'll sell that. He's not going to get 100 against the Vikings. All right. And for his other question, how much of a friendly competition going on? I don't know. I did hear Troy talk about uh, in his post-game press conference talking about Daniel Hardy, like joking, like, let's let's, let's, let's you get to the quarterback first. Like, let's race to the quarterback or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's those kinds of games and those competitions going on there. Um, I'm sure there is. Like, those are both competitive guys. <laughs> Who's going to come out on top? Ty. Ty Okada, man. I think uh, – Davis Alexander is going to make some miscues and they're going to land right into Ty Okada's hands. He'll have an interception. I hope so. Hope so. I hope so. And I and I also think Granderson is going to lay out Davis Alexander at some point too. <laughs> I love watching Troy. Man, kind of a parting thought. This is our last season of Troy. Yeah, it is. And we're not really talking about him at length on every episode. It's kind of a weird... Weird way to end it in the career, I guess. The All right, middle hey. linebacker. Did we have any from the Twitter sphere? No, but you missed one on Bobcat Nation. Uh, Kenneth Noisewater said in in uh, 2018, MSU rushed for 323 yards against Portland State. Will the Cats be able to run the ball better against the flex defense of Portland State than they have so far this season? So he's not asking us if we'll match the total. He'll ask us if this will be our best rushing performance this year. And I will say yes, because I think it needs to happen. So um, I'm just, I, I have faith that that's how the Cats are going to attack and that they'll get the running game going better than they have been. So, yes, I think that they will have our best performance, minus the caveat where I was talking about the San Diego game. We did rush for over 300 yards. I don't think we'll get 300 yards against this game, but I, I think it'll look better. I think it'll be <laughs> not like, you know, Tommy Mallott rushing for a 45 yard touchdown against you know, late in the game where he's a fourth string guy coming in. I think it's going to be legit. Maybe not as many yards, but we'll look better. Uh, for the sake of ending this episode, I'm going to agree with 100% of what you just said. <laughs> I also think Elijah Elliott will have a good game. So, yeah. There's my bold prediction. Elijah Elliott, touchdown. Touchdown. May not be a, may not be a bold prediction, 
I, I can think of one. I, I kept going all week. I was like, man, I can't think of a bold prediction for this game. My bold prediction for last game, Jaden Smith catching a touchdown never comes never comes true. I, I always I think I've felt like a couple times I've picked Jaden Smith for a bold prediction. It's, uh, it's we're just not looking his way. He's gonna do it. I know. So I'm 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 not gonna pick Jaden Smith anymore. What was your bold prediction last week? That we wouldn't give up a touchdown, and we came darn close too, except for our second string. <laughs> second stringers gave up a touchdown to to, to San Diego in the third quarter, whatever it was. Like we were, oh, we were close. Okay. If the stars were sitting the whole time, it would have would have come true for sure. That's close. <laughs> do you have Do you have one for this week? Another pick six by the defense. Wow, I don't know who. Don't wow. care who. That's my bold prediction. Or no, I'm going to rephrase that. Another score by the defense. Maybe a scoop and score. Just a defensive touchdown. Score. Let's go. I want to see one. I've been wanting a scoop and score so much. Especially if it's going to be, I have no idea what the forecast is. If it's kind of a wet game, those are uh, fumbly, fumbly games. Could happen. Fumble Ruski. All right. Um, I think I know who I'm going to pick, the Golden Cooley. And Ryan, I don't think you have a, a choice in this anymore because I just send them out anyways. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> if I have a real big bone gonna... to pick, I'll stop you. But otherwise, I'm probably just going to let it slide. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny because I kind of rack my brain. And I'm like, have I sent this guy a golden clue? I'm going to go Teton Cat. Uh, we talked about his question. What was his question? We spent a lot of The diamond of it, but... formation. Yeah, the diamond formation. Yeah, that, that one was a good <laughs> one. That made me like super excited on Bobcat Nation too. I was like, yeah, let's do diamond formation. So no, Teton Cat. Uh, woo! Yeah. Yeah. I get some applause. That's Teton right. Teton Cat. Oh uh, man, <laughs> this is a long train. I've been sending, <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, sending out so many golden coolies, and uh, you got one coming, my friend. So just send us a, uh, send us a contact. And Thorny, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Why yeah. don't you get us out of here, buddy? Yeah, man, we were so close to being done with only 50 minutes left, and then we went on for like another half an hour. So here we are. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening to our rambling episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, find us on Twitter, RRCatCast. Find us on the web, RRCatCast.com. You can email us at RRCatCast at gmail.com if you have any golden coolie questions or just want to reach out to us in any other way. And uh, thanks again to Jeremiah Johnson for being our sponsor. And let's get out of here with a Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats.